You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're discussing the fineries of book politics and interviewing author Jessica Crispin. But first, Mallory, what are you reading? So right now, I am reading a book called The Night in Lonesome October by Roger Zelazny, because it's, as we're recording this, it's like almost Halloween, and me and my boyfriend are reading it together. Adorable. Which is... Like at the same time, or are you guys flipping pages no, at the I same re- time? No, I've been actually, I took uh, the advice of a lot of the people who wrote into this podcast, and what we do is we each read a chapter, we switch back and forth and read it out loud to each other. Oh. So the book, the book is like every every night. It, like every chapter is like October 1st, October 2nd, October 3rd. And it's about the, it's t- from the point of view of a dog. Great. I knew, which I knew you would appreciate. And he is the uh, watchdog for like this wizard guy who is like trying to put together all these. He's like goes around and like digs up graves and gets bones and gets like mummy dust. And he's trying to put together the spell before all these other mummy or witches and other magical people do. And it's really adorable. It was written in like the 60s. It's like a Halloween classic. That sounds amazing i never read it but you should actually read it because it's super cute and he's like this cute watchdog his name is snuff and i love it it's really really fun snuff uh, is a really good dog name i know what are you reading bria oh i'm reading sing unburied sing <gasps> by jasmine ward mm-hmm. is it good it's really good i literally just started it but it is really really well written so far i literally read she one just chapter. Wa- she just got a macarthur genius grant yeah that's why and people are this is definitely this is a buzzy book for yeah. sure and i wanted i wanted to be in on the buzz uh, so bria is the bria is in the center of the beehive right now exactly so it's a book that takes place in mississippi and it's about a family, a, a black family. Actually, it's a mixed race family. And it's from the point of view of the various people in the family. And I don't really know what else happens. It does open with a very intense pig slaughtering, uh, which for oh, anybody yikes. might be sensitive to that. But it is it is really relevant to the book. So, I mean, I, I said pig, but I meant goat. It's a goat slaughtering. Easy, um, easy, easy mistake. Pigs, goats. Pigs, goats. All things you slaughter on farms. Yeah, you know. Um, I've only read very sm- a small amount, but the son is sort of like trying to figure out manhood, and he has these figures in his life that he looks up to, and then he has a mother who's really not very good there, and she's trying to work through the fact that her children's father is in prison. So there's just a lot of stuff happening, but then it's also going to be a thriller, is what I is I think. Really, I think it turns into a thriller of some sort, and <sighs> I, I think there's maybe that. a ghost. But I, I just remember reading that about it, but I haven't gotten that okay. Far. Now I'm bumping it up on my list. But the writing is really beautiful, and People, are, it's going to be one of those books I think that's going to win a lot of awards. Oh, wow. So I that's wanted exciting. to read it. Hell yeah. We want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. We had a bunch of feedback from our uh, an older episode, our Book Chic episode, Ugh. that we wanted to talk about. Mary Beth writes in, in regards to our Book Chic episode, that The Strand in New York City has the best t-shirts, which I can attest to. I have a bunch of shirts from The Strand. Uh, they also have a nice enamel pin selection at the store for totesthreadless.com. Where is this? New York? Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, my God. I love this trend so much. For totes, threadless.com has some really great designs. One of my friends got me one for my birthday. It's good and sturdy. Also great for knitters like me. This has made me think of books as souvenirs as well. I have three books from Shakespeare and Company in Paris, which I just got to visit recently. And they're all stamped with the bookstore logo. I got the same thing. I also like buying books that have the price printed on them in different currencies, so I know that I bought it elsewhere. That's really cute. Ah. Also, 
this is a very good time to mention the fact that we now have totes available on the Maximum Fun store. How topical. Yeah. It's so topical. I did not even mean for that to happen. I know you didn't. That's why I put it in the notes so yes. we should talk about it. Uh, um, but yeah, we have Do Not Disturb the Reading tote bags. Yes, they're really cool. In purple writing, and it's very cute. Yes. I'm going to maybe order one of my own. Is it dorky to carry your own tote bag? No, we put so much fucking work into this podcast. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Let's do it. So Vanessa wrote in and said that she likes to sew zippers into her totes to prevent books from falling out, which is basically a genius I, move. She should Vanessa. have got the MacArthur Genius Grant because that's incredible <laughs> to me. I like it was like first that. of all, she knows how to sew zippers, which is that blew my blows my mind right yeah. there. I read this email and my my brain was just like, Poof. it's really smart. Because the thing I don't like about totes is that I'm always scared someone's going to steal something out of them. Yeah, I'm not really scared of that. I'm more scared. I hold are them really close out. to my. But it has crossed my mind. When well, I'm it was like, like that moment situation. when I came. Into your uh, when I walked into your house that one time and like I tripped and like five books fell off my tote bag. <laughs> but if I had sewed a zipper into it, that wouldn't have happened. Andy wrote in that uh, museum gift shops are a great place to find books and bookish items. Museum stores are almost always run by very knowledgeable and hip folks who can give you a tip on finding something new and different. Andy works at the Crocker Art Museum in Sacramento, California. So if you're in the area, go check them out. You know, I always skip the museum store. Oh, yeah. I always feel like it's going to be something where people are going to, I'm like, don't try to sell me something that I just saw. Like, I just saw it. I Don't try to sell me like a little rendition of... You know, oh, Monet love, or something. I don't want to see that. I love stuff like that. Actually, my current tote bag I got at the store because when I went to Paris recently, I went to the catacombs oh, yeah. because I'm me. And I got a sweet catacombs tote bag. Oh, yeah. I guess I should go look there more. And anytime I do go into one, maybe I buy some things. Maybe that's why I avoid yeah, it. I but I, that's, a good, that's a good hot tip. Yeah. Hot tips, guys. You guys are sending us some really good hot tips. <laughs> I know. Tips. This is great. So you can email us your hot tips at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle, who runs our Facebook page, and Chrissy and Rachel, who run our Goodreads page. <laughs> and Reading Glasses is pleased to offer interactive transcripts of the show through Greta. Go to greta.com slash reading underscore glasses to read and turn your favorite Reading Glasses moments into clips that you can share out on social media. Also, apparently, they do do my swears. So you yeah. can share my, my terrible, filthy mouth all over the internet. <laughs> Do it. Do it. And before we talk about the sticky politics of books, we're going to take a quick break. Support for Reading Glasses comes in part from Read Dog, a monthly subscription box made by book lovers for book fanatics. Read Dog chooses a book that they think you'll love every month based on your unique preferences and reading profile. This box is a great way to share the beauty of books and a love of reading. You can find your next favorite book by going to readdog.com slash glasses. Use the coupon code glasses to receive 10% off your first month. Hey there, folks. I'm writer and performer Dave Holmes, and I host International Waters, where we pair a team of comedians in L.A. against a team of comedians in London in a pop culture trivia battle royale. Comedians like Elizabeth Lame. Can I ask you, is that a chasm or a chasm that you just discovered between you and Jess? A chasm. Okay. Nobody says chasm. <laughs> nice try. Uh, do you say chasm? Were you trying to soft pitch your idea of saying chasm? Well, I've just learned something, you guys. <laughs> April Richardson. In high school, I cut my hair really short, Yeah. but in between, I got a mullet as a joke. Like, I went to the place and I was yeah. like, okay, cut it all except the back and I'll have that for like a day and then I started like getting my feelings hurt so people were like openly laughing at me and many more join us every other week on International Waters with me Dave Holmes find it on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts
All right, guys. This week, we're talking book politics. Being a conscientious reader is tough. What if an author whose work you love is racist? What if a publisher you're a fan of publishes books by garbage people? Should you support them? How do you navigate all of this? This is a conversation that's happening a lot in the book world. So we figured let's do let's talk about it. So the first thing is that you should try to stay informed, right? Yeah. First thing first. If you see it on Twitter, you see it on Twitter all the time, right? Someone is like, this person is this. And then a bunch of other people pile on top of them. And there's a lot of information. And then what happens? You go look at your bookshelf. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, I have a book by a trash baby. What do I do? Yeah, someone's like, they just called them out on Twitter. And I own this book. I'm, am I a horrible person now? So before you light the book on fire and throw it at a Nazi, you should, like, get informed. Go find some articles about the situation from a reputable news source. Don't I mean, Twitter can be great, but it's also, you know, not a... There are am- amateur people on there. So, like, go go find whatever news site that you like and, and try to check it out. Not because the outcry on Twitter could be wrong. Right. Because very often this shit is, is 100% right. But because it's important to be informed about this stuff on your own and to be able to have enough facts to form your opinion on a situation. Yeah, just because someone says it on Twitter doesn't mean it's true. Although... I do think you should believe people on Twitter where yeah, they're telling absolutely. you a personal story. But yeah. when people are just retweeting things that you, you should be careful, like go, yeah. go look at the sources. Right. Yeah. And and I think it's really important to make these decisions on your own. Yeah. You decide what is important to you just because one person doesn't like this person for whatever reason. That doesn't mean you have to go along with them yeah. just because this one person hired someone you don't like. That doesn't mean you have to hate that person. There, there's Decide where your where your lines are and the lines that you don't cross. You don't have to make a split-second sec- decision yeah. either. I think right now we're all expected to read information and make an, a decision as quick as the internet. Yeah. And I don't think that that's very helpful to anybody no. because we all have our, made our own life choices you know, something that may be important to me may not be important to you. You don't have to make a split-second decision. Find out more information about what's going on. Yeah. So once you've confirmed that, yes, this author is a garbage person, maybe it's because of an incident that happened recently, like you found out that the author is a misogynist. Maybe the author is dead, but you never realized how problematic the books are because you're a straight white person and you're straight white person bubble. What do you do? What if you still like the book? Are you a bad person? So what do you do, Mallory? See, this is something that's super relevant to me, and I actually have a whole system for it. The system mostly hinges around if the author is alive or dead. If the author is dead, they're obviously not going to be benefiting from your money, and you don't have to worry so much if you're spending money on their books or or their stories or whatever. If they're alive, you just need to stop buying their books, and that's what I do. I if if uh, if, an, if an author is confirmed like they're garbage, I don't spend my money on them. I don't go see the movie that's made out of their book. If they're really bad, take the books that you have of theirs, sell them to a used bookstore, and donate that money to. To a charity that helps whatever you know if, if the, you find out that the author that you love is a rapist go to any of the books take the money and donate it to rain you know i'm a big fan of hp lovecraft hp lovecraft is one of the most influential and important horror authors ever but he's also a giant piece of shit he was incredibly racist and xenophobic misogynist he was just a terrible terrible garbage person he was in a time when racism was more accepted but he was still like even by the standards of the day he yeah. was a terrible racist garbage person. yeah yeah yeah. there's been a lot of articles where people are like but everyone was racist then and if you look he was like really he was he was terrible <laughs> not that we should be like some racism is okay some isn't but, he but, was but like, if you're going by the, what happened at the time oh you yeah know, he was yeah. like an eagle scout of racism yeah <laughs> uh, racism and xenophobia are big mechanisms of his fiction and his nonfiction. Um, 
And when I started reading him when I was a teenager, I didn't think it was a big deal because, hey, it was old timey racism. He's dead and and whatever. I was totally living in my white girl bubble. Uh, I have two Lovecraft tattoos. I own a whole shelf of Lovecraft books. And then I grew up and realized that he was a garbage person. And a garbage person is a garbage person is a garbage person, no matter what error you wrote in. But, you know, I still love his creations. I love Cthulhu. I have a giant Cthulhu tattoo to my arm. So now what I do is I make sure to support, with my dollars, women and people of color who are writing in his universe. I want to make sure that if I'm going to be supporting his legacy at all, it's going to the to people who who should have my money, not terrible racist garbage people. Everyone should read The Ballad of Black Tom by author Victor Lavelle. It's, a, it's an amazing retelling of a Lovecraft story through the perspective of a black person. I, and I make sure to make myself understand how his racism affected his work and the effect that it had. I make sure to spend my book dollars wisely because it's easy for me as a, as a white girl to be like, hey, yeah, this doesn't matter anymore because he's dead. But race, surprise, folks, we got fucking Nazis in the White House. Like there's still race, like racism is, is awful and it's omnipresent. And if you're a person of color, you deal with it every single day and you don't have the luxury of being like, oh, well, it was all, it was 100 years ago. People People were more racist back then. It's like something that you deal with in your everyday life. So again, stay informed and make sure you're giving your dollars to a good thing. You have to really decide where is your line because there's a lot of people who are garbage people, but you don't find out. Or yeah. there's a lot of people. <laughs> Harvey like, Weinstein. Oh yeah, Harvey Weinstein. Well, that one we all knew. But does that mean I'm never going to buy another independent movie that he produced? I mean, he produced a lot of movies by people who are great filmmakers. Yeah. Right. So you kind of have to decide where your lines are. Yeah. Right? Again, it's all it's all about being informed and cognizant of the power of all of this stuff and where all this stuff lies. You can't just sort of blindly like, oh, I'm just going to buy whatever. Like, you got to think about stuff. Exactly. And you and I just attended a film festival where this was a problem because yeah. one of the people in the film festival did some things that were shitty. And it's a very long story. But basically, the guy who sort of is in charge of running the film festival and made the film festival happen did a bunch of shitty things. And a bunch of people decided they talked about boycotting it. But then but- a lot of... People I know didn't because it really would hurt the filmmakers who had already gotten their exactly. films to the festival. And I saw so many films at that festival that were directed by women, that were directed by people of color, that were yeah. di- like my favorite film of the entire festival was a gay love story. Right. You know, so depriving those filmmakers of support. It's like it's really complicated. And I think this is what I'm trying to acknowledge right now It's is that it is complicated. I personally have things that I don't people I don't support people I don't purchase their products and mm-hmm. I try to stick to those things. I think you have to make the decision book by book. I like yeah. the Lovecraft genre. I want to support people who make things in that genre, but I think you have to look and see who are other people besides Lovecraft making Lovecrafting things. You don't have to write but, off yeah. the entire genre. But that's the thing is there's a lot of people who are writing in Lovecraft's universe that aren't garbage people. Support them. Yeah. And and I think we need to think about the way literature can damage people but also can open people's eyes, right? Yeah. Because if you write a Lovecraft book that is all pe- – the main people are all people of color, that is a great way to take back that yeah. genre and to claim that genre as one that can be progressive and can yeah. be interesting and can be inclusive, right? Yeah. So I remember years ago in college, a conservative friend of mine read a comic book that had a trans person in it. And after he read the book, I had a conversation with him and he was like, yeah, that book just kind of made me realize that trans people are people. I I think he had a more, you know, not shitty way of saying it. But you know what I mean? He was like, it opened his eyes that trans people were people, right? Yeah. Because he saw this character in a book. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important for us to realize that 
words have meaning. Me- yeah. Books have messages, right? Mm-hmm. We can't, you can't get away from that. Even if you think your book doesn't have a message, every book is really telling you something, a message, right? Yeah. So in children's books, a study found that only 22% of the characters were people of color. And we know that because children's books have pictures. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that's not great numbers. And in past episodes, we talked about how important it is for people to see themselves reflected in books, and then they will actually read. And so finding authors that make these choices that aren't racist, like not only are we talking about not garbage people, Mm -hmm. but making good choices, right? Including people of color, including um, LGBT folks, including people with who are differently abled. Like there's all sorts of kind, there's all ways to support people who are doing cool and interesting things. And I think for me... Of course, me taking like the positive, whatever. I try to avoid the things that are not doing those things, but but and yeah. seek the things that are doing those things. Yeah. Right? If I look at my list and I'm like that, I, of books I've read, and I'm like, oh, I've read a lot of books about white people in space, which is you know my <laughs> genre I read, uh, written by a lot of men. Then I go and try to find a person of color. I go to try to find yeah. uh, or somebody who's written about people of color. You know, like I just try to make sure my world stays. Broad. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and I think that's what the whole point of this episode is that uh, navigating all this stuff is tricky, but you have to do it. Yeah, you ha- just have to do. do if you're going to be a good person, you're not a bad. You're not a garbage person if you've read a book by Lovecraft, if you've read a book by Orson Scott Card. But you're a garbage person if you just stay in your bubble and don't think about you the Im- impact that you're reading and your book dollars have. And you know, so it's not just about staying informed and avoiding bad stuff. Like you said, it's about doing good stuff. And for problematic living authors, you might think, hey, I'll just illegally download their book. It's fine. I'll just steal it from them because then I'm not supporting them. Okay, but why not do actually something good instead of not doing just not doing a bad thing? If you want to buy an Orson Scott Card book, try buying a book from a gay sci-fi author instead. Go to the bookstore or library and ask, "Hey, what's a book like Ender's Game that isn't written by a trash baby?" For example, Mistborn. That's a kind of young, young magical. It's not space. It's magical. That's a good one instead of Ender's Game. Ten Star by Cecil Castellucci. Friend of the show. Yay. Another Teenagers in Space. There's a lot of Teenagers in Space movies, guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Books. There's so, a lot of Teenagers in Space books. And so you can find one that's written by someone who's actually a good person. We're living in scary times right now, guys. It's And this sort of like weird neutrality is why we've got a Nazi infestation. You have to make your reader power count and, you know, you're not again. You're not a garbage person. If you if you've read these books, if you like these books, I'm not getting my Cthulhu tattoo removed. But I am doing all that I can to combat racism and misogyny and all this terrible stuff by being a, a cognizant reader. If you guys have thoughts on that, please send them to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And I'm sure you do. So we really do want to hear what you guys yeah. have to say and how you organize this and how you deal with this because. Obviously, it's not an easy thing for people to go back and forth. It's not an easy one answer. You can't just be like, and black and white, great. I'll never purchase an Orson Scott, Scott card book, and I'm the perfect person. Like, everything is complicated, and yeah. we we recognize that. Yes. So um, before we interview author Jessica Crispin, we're going to take a quick break. Shirts, stickers, patches, posters, tote bags, aprons. Sure, you might have some of these things already. But do they rep your favorite Max Fun shows? We've got brand new items in stock at MaxFunStore.com. So why not stock up on gear that shows off the podcasts you love? MaxFunStore.com. It's good stuff. We swear. And 
And now we are here with author and podcaster Jessa Crispin. Jessa, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so happy to be here. So first off, we like to ask all our guests, what are you reading? Uh, I'm reading a Hans Magnus Enzensberger book. Um, he's one of these sort of like obscure German writers who nobody ever knows about, but I'm deeply passionate about him. So when I excitedly try to talk about him with friends, they're like, I don't, we have no idea what you're talking about. Please, please stop doing whatever you're doing. We'll link to it in the show notes. We're both very intrigued. Yeah, he's one of these sort of like post-war uh, authors, although he's still writing and still publishing new work uh, in his 80s. Um, yeah, but he, he's very, he's political, he's um, historical, he's a poet, he's he's nonfiction writer, he's a novelist, like he's one of these kind of, you know, old fashioned um, 20th century writers, intellectual people. Um, and I find him fascinating. Oh, right on. So speaking of political stuff, you have a book out this year called Why I'm Not a Feminist. Did you want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> Whoa, what was that laugh? <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, um, it's been, it's, you, I get lovely emails. I'm sure you get a lot of interesting emails. <laughs> I get some lovely emails from uh, some from people and then I get like crazy emails from people so the talking about the book is like what trouble am I going to get into Brie and I both read the book and we send you high fives yeah we thought it's great thanks the safe safe place feeling we're not going to talk to you about the book I I mean the book is I mean I think you should talk about it though because when I saw the title which I'm sure everyone did did I was like wait what and then I read it and it was great it was a really great read and a really I thought you had a lot of really amazing, awesome points that are things that I haven't thought about in a really long time, honestly. Thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was sort of, and this is probably obvious from from the book and the title, uh, written out of a place of anger and frustration um, as as somebody who's been a book critic for, um, you know, 15 years and who was uh, known as being political and known as being feminist. Um, I was asked to pretty much review every sort of feminist book that came out in the publishing world. And so I had to read them. And I thought they were getting worse and worse, that that there was something about feminism that had been taken over by sort of ideas of lifestyle and self-empowerment and capitalism and consumerism. And I just was either going to walk into the sea or I was going to um, get my anger out in some sort of way. And the book is that way. Well, it's out by Melville House and we definitely recommend listeners to go check it out. It's a really, really thought provoking and awesome read. So speaking of politics, this whole episode that we're doing is all about what to do a lot of fans write in and they're like, "There, here's this author. I don't like them politically. Should I support them? What do I do? A lot of people ask about like Orson Scott Card's Ender's Game. They're like, I don't like Orson Scott Card, but I really want to read this book. We're interested to know as like a political person and as a writer and an author, how do you feel about this sort of dilemma that readers find themselves in? Yeah, it's funny because I actually taught a class on this exact subject at um at Drexel University called Bad People Who Write Great Books. Um, (laughs) This is perfect. And and so there was like a survey of different levels of badness, right? Like, so there was, we read a murderer, we read a rapist, we read a Nazi, 
Um, we read A Fascist. We uh, read um, we read Orson Scott Card, actually, as a sort of example of a living writer, because it does seem like that dynamic changes when the writer is living or if they're dead. Yeah, I mean, that's my rule. Yeah, because part of it, part of it's like, um, you know, if you buy their materials, uh, you're supporting them and helping them live their lives as an asshole. So <laughs> maybe it's better. So how do you negotiate that space? And is it okay to like somebody like Woody Allen, um, who's just obviously a rapist? Um, or is it okay to... to um, to support somebody like Orson Scott Card, um, who campaigns against gay rights. Um, and kind of my own personal line, and I was trying to help everybody else, um, you know, the students think this through, but my personal line is that I won't give them money. And I refuse to, I refuse to look to um, consume their product, whatever it is, film or book or whatever, in a sort of non-critical stance. So if I'm reading Kessler, who's one of my favorite writers, and he's dead, so the money thing isn't part of it anymore, but he's a, he, raped, he raped a lot of people. Um, and he's one of my favorite writers, and so personally negotiating that space is I refuse to not think about the way that he writes about women. You know, like I don't just sort of like emptily just, you know, that sort of... Um, that loving thing we can do when we're when we like a artist of just oh everything they do is amazing like not to go into that space to sort of hold back something. Um, so uh, so yeah, those are my sort of personal boundaries on the issue. Don't give them money and don't stop thinking. I think that's great. I that's think that's the, a good way to put it. You put it into context. So if people you have a new show out that is that is bookish, you want to tell us about that if people want to hear more of your thoughts on these things. Yeah, it, it the the podcast is called Public Intellectual, which is tongue in cheek, but um basically it came out of the manifesto situation. And um that's a cool title for a book. The manifesto situation. <laughs> manifesto situation. My manifesto situation. Um, that's going to be my my memoir. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so it seemed like there were a lot of conversations within feminism, within the left, within um, uh, the sort of online sphere, artistic sphere that people didn't want to have that made people uncomfortable. So they just refused to have them. And so I want I want to have these conversations because I'm a jerk. And um, so difficult conversations about things like consent, things about um, uh, an authoritarian streak that's risen on the left, um, things about um, what it's actually like to be a straight white man in today's society. Like we have a series of those. I've recorded one, but we're doing more. Um, because these are sort of, I, I kind of want to talk about the things that are verboten, that are taboo, and there are a lot of them in our um, in our culture right now. So that's that's kind of the thing is to find somebody who knows what the fuck they're talking about, and is not just some you know gamergate guy <laughs> talking about how hard it is to be a man, um, but talk to you know um, like my friend Zach Muka, who's um, a um, 
a psychiatrist, not a psychiatrist, a psychologist and um, social worker, and deals with issues of masculinity and talk about these way, these topics in a really um, uh, intellectual and thorough and no holds barred kind of way. Awesome. Great. And people can find that on, um, on just iTunes and places like that. Yeah, all the places where you find podcasts. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's everywhere. Okay, yeah. We don't know. We don't know this. No, <laughs> so, no I don't know. <laughs> so finally, one of, another question we like to ask all our guests is, what book do you like to gift to people? Uh, yeah, I don't, um, I, I find myself um, forcing Henry James onto people <laughs> probably way more than I should. Um, but I tend not to sort of, um, I, I, I believe in, in the very sort of personal recommendation of, um, trying to match the right person with the right book. And, you know, actually that's like this weird sort of industry of, I've built up for myself, which is, um, I do tarot card readings and part of my tarot card readings is includes um it comes with book recommendations based that's on amazing. what they're going through. Oh, that's so cool. And so they're deeply personalized, right? Like not just about what I think what I think they might like, but like the actual situation of their lives right now. Oh um amazing. And so there there are some books that I keep that keep coming up with my clients. Um like Joanna Kavanagh's Inglorious, I find People really like that if their lives are falling apart. It's a novel. It's it's brilliant. It's almost entirely overlooked. Um, but people really respond to it. And when they find their lives falling apart, it's like good company. So maybe that one is is one I recommend above maybe any other. Ah, Jessa, that's great. So where can people find you online? Oh, I'm on Twitter at um, the book slut, and uh, you know my website's jessacrispin.com, and you know you just like <laughs> you can just Google me. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a lot of really great insight. It was a pleasure. And now we're going to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. This is the fa my favorite question that we've ever been asked. Dear Bria and Mallory, enjoying a, a hot soak and a good book are two great tastes that I have not been able to taste together. I get far too nervous to take my <laughs> beloved Kindle anywhere near the water and a paperback, especially one that I don't own, would be would hardly fare better if I dropped it in. Have you all ever dropped a book in the tub? What are some strategies for not destroying my Kindle with lavender scented water? Thanks for any advice. Hydroponic in Houston. Oh my God. Mallory, what are you do. This is this makes my day. Uh, I love tub reading. I always read paper books in the tub, but I'm a huge klutz and the only thing in the entire world that I'm not klutzy with is reading. I've magically never dropped one in. And Bria has witnessed this. I have a special technique where I read one hand and uh, flip pages with my pinky. Oh yeah. It's kind of... That's what I was going to ask how you didn't get the book wet because that's the problem is like, you know, you got your hands in the tub and oh, then yeah. you pull well, it I do everything one-handed. I can do anything while reading a book. It's like how mothers can do anything while holding a baby. <laughs> I can do anything while reading a book. But my suggestion books is... Books are your babies. Books are my babies. My suggestion is get one of those tub tables. They're basically like little trays that hook onto the side of your tub and you can rest a book on it and a drink and maybe some snacks if you're... Wow, either. this is a lot of preparation for a bath. Yeah, if you're going to stay in there for a while, uh, we'll link to it. How long are you staying in there? Sometimes I'll sit in the tub for like a half an hour. Okay, all right. That's, you know, you I, may need some snacks if you're there for half an hour. Yeah, you know, I like taking, I don't take baths to like clean myself. I take no. baths if I have really bad cramps. So I'm yeah, like, I I'm going to get a, ch a chocolate bar, a little bit of wine. Just a long day, I want a bath. That's, yeah. That's all. Yeah. So you can um, also you can put your e-reader in a plastic bag. I know a lot of people who do this, like one of those double lock freezer bags. But then how do you 
turn the pages. Oh, I don't know. No, you can't do that. What if it's, it's you don't have a button? Oh, if you have a button, yeah. But yeah. mine's my mine doesn't. Well, have what buttons. do you do with your Kindle, Bria? Well, I, you know, oh, actually, I know what you. Do. I know. <laughs> this is great. So what I do is I actually I'm really scared of this. Listen, <laughs> hydrophobic. Um, uh, I am. This is actually because I am very klutzy. I'm so clumsy, and I. So what I do is I sit in. So okay, imagine your tub. <laughs> And so I sit in it sideways facing the outer part of the tub. Like, I don't sit back and relax. And then I hang over the side with my book on not hanging over water. So my arms are over the tub. Bria, should I get you a tub table? No, because I just, I just think I would somehow accidentally flip it over and flip, like, everything into the tub. I'm really mad, and you're like, what the fuck? I'm just such a, I'm such a clumsy person, and I have gotten water on my Kindle. They do survive, by the way. I haven't dropped it in the water, but I've gotten Do they have water. waterproof Kindle cases? Yeah, you know what? Actually, just, it was just advertised to me on Instagram, waterproof Kindles. It's very Embryo's Which I, I assume, Insta- Instagram knows me better than anybody else has ever known me, because the ads are, like, so spot on. All the time, it's like, you must want these whatever socks and I'm like I do need those um uh but yeah so well one waterproof candle which I'm gonna look into That's but I, I so I birthday. just hang over the tub it's not the most comfortable way and anybody who's ever seen me do this my partners say, in life my partner. they they I think it's really funny because then I'm like well I just don't want to risk dropping the candle in and it's not that uncomfortable and you can put a drink next to the to the so you just have to put the tub. You just have the tub table outside of the tub. Yeah, basically, I have the table outside of the tub, and then I just keep a towel right there so I can wipe my hands off if I need to. I love but how we both get, have I just like really like, intricate strategies. I just for this. fill it pretty high too, so that way you don't have to. I waste a lot of water. First of all, <laughs> waste a lot of water, so that way I'm not like it's still like you know I don't need to be up to my shoulders in water. <laughs> Bria stew. <laughs> so, That's really all a bathtub is, is like, is making, dirty people stew. Yeah. It's just, you're just, whenever anyone's like, when, when someone's like, well, what are, you, what are you doing if I'm in the tub? I'm like, I'm being soup. Yeah, exactly. Just making a... Being soup. Person stew. <laughs> so, which is kind of gross when you think about it. Person broth. <laughs> if you want us to solve your reader problem, send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and also, just want to shout out, we get... I just noticed the other day that we have had we have we had a ton of Instagram messages. And oh. if we don't follow you on Instagram, guys, it goes into a different folder, so we don't know that they're there. And no, I'll, no, you just go to the requests. Yeah, I didn't Clearly know that was I there. I don't do this, but um, I don't contr- control But Instagram. a lot of the messages were like, hey, I don't know what your email is. Guys, we say the email like 15 times every episode. It's readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. That's the email address. We'll link it in the show notes, too. We can put it in the show notes, but like that's the best way to get to it. I feel really bad because there were some messages in there that were like, Three months old, and I didn't know. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be getting on the, on re, on answering them as soon as possible. Um, but the best way to get in touch with us is the email, guys. So we're gonna leave you with this episode's book connection, is which is a way to connect with other readers online with the use of this week's hashtag. And this week it's Page Politics. Tweet at us and weigh in. We want to know your thoughts on all this stuff. We want to know what you do with your problematic books and authors. Let us know what you think. So if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us and helps us to reach more readers. Reading Glasses is pleased to offer interactive transcripts of the show through Greta. Go to G-R-E-T-T-A dot com slash reading underscore glasses to read and turn your favorite Reading Glasses moments into clips that you can share out on social media. Again, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast, and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag readingglasses. Thanks for listening, and and thanks thanks for reading. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. 
listener supported.